how he migrated initially for the sake of marriage to Miqais radiallahu ta'ala anha and then how he changed his intention and he ended up inshallah becoming amongst those whose hijrah is maqbool indallah hijrah is tarqul watan to leave one's homeland for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in one beautiful hadith he took he mentioned a few terms and he showed that how these terms uh, they have the meaning in the terminology of the sharia that is well known but if you take the literal meaning of the word he gave a, di- a different deeper meaning of the term for example he said al-muslimu the true muslim and we know who a muslim is but rasulullah in this hadith we notice how he goes to the root word of of Muslim, Aslama Yuslimu, it has three root letters, Seen, Lam, and Meem. So he says, Al Muslimu man saliman Muslimuna millisanihi waydi. A true Muslim is the one that other Muslims are safe from his tongue and his hand. He does not hurt anyone with his tongue, he does not hurt anyone with his hands. And Al Mu'min, we know, is a believer. But Nabi Wasallam here again is going at the root, uh, root words, the root letters and it is Hamza, Meem and Noon. So, Amnun, Amina. So he says, Al-Mu'minu man aminahun nasu ala dima'ihim wa amwalihim. A true mu'min is the one that people entrust him with their lives and their wealth. Dima'ihim, their blood, meaning their lives. Wa amwalihim, their wealth. They know that this mu'min will not cheat, will not hurt them, behind, will not stab them in their back. And wal mujahidu, the mujahid, we know the mujahid is the one fighting in the battlefield, defending Islam. But Nabi Sallallahu put a new twist on it in this hadith. He says wal mujahidu man jahada nafsahu fi ta'atillah. The true mujahid is the one who does jihad against his nafs, this nafs amara bisu. This, this nafs that is compelling a person, commanding a person towards the disobedience of Allah. So not only is he fighting against enemies of Islam, enemies of, uh, of the deen of Allah, but he, more importantly, he is doing jihad against his nafs. وَالْمُجَاهِدُ مَنْ جَاهَدَ نَفْسَهُ فِي طَاعَةِ اللَّهِ In obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is how Rasulullah he termed it when returning back from the battlefield. That we are returning min al-jihad al-akbar ila al-jihad min al-jihad al-asghar ila al-jihad al-akbar. From the minor jihad, we're now coming back to the major jihad. The major jihad is jihad against the nafs. This is the hardest one. This is that adu, this enemy, bein a jambek in your chest, right in your body. Then al-muhajiru. That's why we even mentioned the hadith. It's because of the term muhajir. So one is a muhajir, commonly understood, the one who leaves his home and he adopts a new land, whether he's doing hijrah for the dunya or for the deen. But this muhajir, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in this hadith, he says, وَالْمُهَاجِرُ مَنْ هَجَرَ مَا نَهَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ The true muhajir is the one who does hijrah and abandons, not only a homeland, but abandons what? That which Allah has forbidden. So he turns away from the sins and disobedience of Allah. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all among those muhajireen. مَنْ هَاجَرَ مَا نَهَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ Who make hijrah from that which Allah has forbidden. 
So that was uh, the story from last week. Moving forward, try to cover a little bit past this now, inshallah. That what's the maqam of this hadith? What is the position of this hadith uh, with respect to other ahadith of Rasulullah with respect to the huge literature of a hadith that we have? Where does this hadith rank? Is, is it one of the more important ahadith? Or what it, you know, how important is this hadith? So Imam Bukhari, we see he began his book with this hadith as many other books have begun also with this hadith. And he's trying to show us to us the importance of rectifying our intentions before we set out to complete a task. That's why the scholars they mentioned that before we do any amal, any action, we should uh, try to make the correct intention. And this is far easier said than done. It's very easy for me to say it, and it's even easier for you to hear it. But it's very, very difficult to practice. Every single action a person does can potentially turn into ibadah and could be a means of gaining the pleasure of Allah if we have the proper intention. One is a niyyah which is al-mumayyaza bayna al-adati wal-ibadah. And one is al-mumayyaza bayna al-ibadah wal-ibadah. And one is al-mumayyaza bayna al-ikhlasi wal-riyah. The first one is that which distinguishes between something done adatan and ibadatan, habitually or as a form of worship. So if there's a person is standing, one person is standing in a line in the bathroom, or maybe let's say standing in a line in the buffet, and another person is standing in, uh, in Qiyamul Layl. So what is the difference between the two standing? Somebody might say, well, he's folding his arms versus the arms are straight. That's not necessary. Folding the arms is a sunnah. It's not a rukun or shart for the salah, for the qiyam. In fact, in the Maliki madhab, they, they leave the arms down. You should not automatically assume someone is a Shia. The Rafid also, the Shia, they leave their arms down, but in the Maliki madhab, they leave the arms down as well. It's not because facing the Qibla, because you can face the Qibla when you're not in salah as well. Then what is the difference? Is reciting Quran, you can recite the Quran in the line in the buffet too. And say, Oh Allah, make it easy for this line to finish. Uh, and So you make dua. Like Ibrahim made dua for food. You can make dua. What is the, the actual difference? It's not being a state of wudu. It's not covering the aura because Typically, you should be covering your aura all the time anyway. All of these things are not the distinguishing factor. The distinguishing factor is what? The niyyah. So one person has a niyyah, he's in salah, and one person has a niyyah, he's waiting for his food. So now everyone got used to the buffets. Otherwise, in the past, when we were younger, the uncles used to say that, فَقِيرًا kara karware. So, you know, they want, why are you making a stand in line? Like, some, you think we're fakirs? Like, hand, soup kitchen? But the thing is, there's, now it's, everyone is used to it. And all the walimas, everyone is going standing in the line. So the niyyah is that which distinguishes it. Bain al-adati 
والعباده but it's not just standing all of our mabah things all of the permissible things we are doing we are doing them all adatan they could potentially become ibadatan that which is done habitually could turn into ibadah what's missing is the niyyah so if a person what is the uh, time wise quantity wise if you take the person's life the majority of the hours of a person's life goes into which amal sleep exactly from his uh, before his body don't even encounter that when they're young when they're babies then they're sleeping so many hours 18 hours a day out of 24 hours 20 hours or or less or more they're sleeping majority of the time but even after bulugh when the book of deeds opens what book of deeds open book of sins book of good deeds is open from the beginning the book of good deeds is open from when a person is born whatever good deeds a person does it will go in his account as well as the parents account but there is no sin because this individual is not mukallaf yet of the sharia not obligated to follow the orders of sharia then the day that boy becomes a man or the girl becomes a woman they become baligh then literally as we covered in class then the book of sins opens on that day and it's up to them how they uh, try to keep it as clean as possible can you keep it 100% clean it's impossible they will end up soiling it with sins because nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said so kullu bani adam khata'un every son of adam and daughter of hawa is a sinner khairul khata'in tawabun the best of the sinners are those who repent so we're going to end up committing sins and we have to keep on cleaning it keep on getting them erased inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't say if you commit a sin make tawbah He doesn't not say if you commit a sin make tawbah What does he say when you commit a sin make tawbah It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when Allah Ta'ala does not say in fa'alu fahishatan aw zalamu anfusahum dhakarullaha fastaghfiru li dhunubihim That if they commit a sin or they wrong themselves they remember Allah and they make tawbah Rather Allah Ta'ala says idha fa'alu fahishatan when they commit a sin because it's going to happen idha fa'alu fahisha when they committed any obscene act aw zalamu anfusahum or they wrong themselves fastaghfiru li dhunubihim then they seek forgiveness from Allah for their sins wa may yaghfiru dhunuba illa Allah and who else can forgive the sins besides Allah walam yusiru ala ma fa'alu they do not persist in that and and they and they uh, return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with tawbah so in any case the book of sins opens when a person becomes baligh after that till he dies how many hours he's sleeping all of those hours could potentially be ibadah if a person has the correct intention this person has the intention that he's sleeping why because it's a command of Allah and why is he sleeping uh, because sunnah of rasulullah and this is the right of the body and he's sleeping with the intention to gain the strength to be able to worship Allah the next day like in the hadith of Sahih Bukhari itself where the three individuals they asked about the azwaj al-mutahharat radiyallahu ta'ala anhu about rasulullah sallallahu alaihi practice and they learned about his sunnah and then they thought that you know we are not doing enough we got to do more so one of them said that uh, you know i will fast every single day the asuma i will fast abadan you know the, every single day i will fast 
besides the five days as haram. And the second one, he said, I will stand up all night in Ibadah, I will never rest. And the third one said that I will never marry. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa came to them and he told them that etc. Your body has a right, your family has a right. And I'm uh, the best example for you. And he said, Asumu wa ukhtir. And Aqumu wa arqud wa atazawwajun nisa. He said, I eat fast and I don't fast. Some days I fast, some days I don't fast. And some days I stand in Ibadah, sometime I stand in Ibadah, Aqumu wa arqud, and I sleep as well. وَتَزَوَّجُنْ نِسَاءَ And I do get, uh, and I have gotten married. So, the scholars say that the, the qiyam in the night, that is ibadah. And the ruqud and the sleeping is with the intention of getting strength for qiyam. Why is he sleeping? So you can stand up in ibadah more. So what happens? The sleep now becomes ibadah. The purpose of eating is so you gain strength to fast the next day. So the eating becomes ibadah. If the purpose of eating is just to fulfill the shahwat, there's no ibadah in it. The purpose of the break is to mentally, the students, we tell them, the purpose of your break is so you can relax your mind to study more. So now, subhanAllah, your entire break is now ibadah. The relaxation is ibadah. The purpose of the relaxation is to gain the strength, mental faculty to be able to continue in acquiring the ilm of deen. So, subhanAllah, it's all a matter of the perspective. This is part of the hadith of the first hadith we are covering. Everyone will receive the reward of that which they intend. So if a person has his niyyah all of his sleep, however many hours he's sleeping, five hours, six hours, seven hours, eight hours, is ibadah. Times the years and years of his life. One third of his life right away becomes ibadah. So much potential of thawab. The eating becomes ibadah. As Rasulullah said, Even the morsel of food you place in the mouth of your wife, this is a sadaqah. When is it a sadaqah? If you have the correct intention. If you don't have the correct intention, it's not a sadaqah by default. So if the intention is just so that she loves me, or just to fulfill my needs or desires or lust, then there's no sadaqah. There's no reward in that. The reward is only if a person has intention that this is an Amatullah, slave girl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is entrusted in my care. And if I take care of her needs, following the order of Allah, following Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu then this luqma is a sadaqah. Subhanallah. So we go from eating and sleeping, and everything that a person engages in in his life can potentially become ibadah. This is the first form of niyyah that distinguishes ada from ibadah. So all the things that are done adatan can become ibadah. But it will be two types of ibadah. Either it will be ibadah that is a primary form of ibadah, ibadah li'aynihi, or it will be ibadah li'aynihi. Secondary form of ibadah. So there are primary forms of ibadah and there are secondary forms of ibadah then there is nothing that a mu'min does that is not ibadah. Right? وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I have not created human beings nor jinn but for my ibadah. So, you know, 
if, if you're going to say everything is ibadah at the same plane, then all of those ayat, all of those hadith, you're going to have a problem. Which talk about, you know, when you finish, like for example, إِذَا فَرَغْتَ فَانْصَبْ When you're finished with the other daily tasks, then do my ibadah. Somebody is going to start scratching their head, wait a second. Didn't you just say everything is ibadah? Everything is ibadah. Eating with the wife, joking, laughing, sleeping, having fun, entertainment, leisure. We're going to catch on to these things. We're going to remember, wow, taking a walk in the park is what? Ibadah. So, what is the meaning of وَإِذَا فَرَغْتَ فَانْصَبْ O Nabi Wasallam, when you're farigh, when you're free, and you're done with all of your other tasks, then فَانْصَبْ, exert yourself to the point of exhaustion in my ibadah. But you just told us everything is ibadah. So that means that when you, there's nothing that's not ibadah. Because وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا You have not been created but for my ibadah. What the ayat is saying that when you are free and done with ibadah لِغَيْرِهِ Then engage in the ibadah لِعَيْنِهِ When you are done and free from the secondary form of ibadah, then engage in the primary form of ibadah. Subhanallah. There was one, uh, uh, one not a dars per se, but a, an advice, one of the mawaid of Mufti Taqi Sahib, Dawud Barakatuhu and he was addressing the students of knowledge and teachers of knowledge and he was saying that, he quoted this ayah and he was saying that look you know the purpose of his talk was emphasizing ibadah li'aynihi primary form of ibadah and he said that we fall into this trap oh I'm, I'm reading hadith, I'm teaching hadith and I'm giving fatwas, I'm writing books and I'm preaching and teaching and answering people's questions, counseling them, guiding them doing all of these tasks and then we end up becoming deficient in our dua, deficient in our tahajjud, deficient in our own a'mal, in our dhikr, in our tilawah. And we think, fine, you know, if I don't have time for that, ilmuna hadha huwal amal. This is, I'm, what I'm doing is great. So then he quoted this ayah, subhanAllah, it really hit me, and it was very profound. This ayah is always there, but it depends on who is speaking, and how he speaks, and what the time is, and what your spiritual condition is, if it affects you or not. And he said that, look, Allah Ta'ala is telling Rasulullah that when you are free from all of your other tasks, then exert yourself in my ibadah. So free from what? Means that, does it mean that free from dunya? When you finish all your dunya, then do some deen? No. What is Nabi Wasallam doing? He is answering people's questions. And he is talking to the delegation, the wufud. He is giving da'wah. He is doing khidmah of the khalq, serving them. He is distributing the sadaqah and zakat. So his entire life is, is ibadah. So he's when, uh, but Allah Ta'ala is saying, that's all fine. That's all ibadah li Secondary form of ibadah. When you finish that, then do engage in primary form of ibadah. What's the primary form? Dua, zikr, salah, tilawah. This is the, the direct dar, uh, primary form of ibadah. And having the intention is win. Having the intention before the action is it for primary or for secondary or for both? Both. So we always have to have the intention. If you don't have the if you don't have the intention for the secondary form of eating, drinking, having fun, then what will happen? That will not be an ibadah anymore. That will become a mundane worldly act. No reward. So the the niyyah is a must. 
the knee is a, is a must in the beginning. In the Hadith of Jibreel, that very uh, commonly people know of, I cannot definitely go over the whole thing, but one part of the Hadith was when Jibreel asked Rasulullah that Mal Ihsan, what is Ihsan? And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam replied, Anta abudallaha ka anna ka tarahu, fa illam takun tarahu fa innahu yaraka. That commonly is translated, the definition of ihsan, or the meaning people take from it, is that when you're performing salah, you perform salah in such a condition as if you see Allah. And if you cannot reach that condition, then it is as if Allah is watching over you. But for a moment, if you go back and look at the wording, it doesn't say Al-Ihsan an tusalli You perform salah as if you see Allah But rather, what's the wording? Ta'bud Allah That you do ibadah you, you, you perform ibadah in such a condition as if you see Allah Or as if Allah is watching over you Right? And when, when are you not doing ibadah? We just covered it. You're always supposed to be, and I'm always supposed to be. We are also always supposed to be what? In a state of ibadah. So the true level of ihsan is that, it's not only in salah, that oh, now I'm in salah, I try to remember Allah is watching me, or I'm seeing Allah. But the actual maqam of, of these are just, as I said, these are just terms and terminology and the theory of it. The reality, I'm so far from it, so it's embarrassing to even talk about wahdat al-shuhud and things like that of that nature. But wahdat al-shuhud, what it means is that at all times, na'udhu billah, the farthest person from the haqiqah of this. But the theory of it we have heard from elders, may Allah grant us the haqiqah, is that in, in the ibadah, in ta'abud Allah, in all the forms of life, in all facets of life, in all different activities of one's existence, is in such a condition as if he sees Allah. Subhanallah. Or that Allah is always watching. He is aware of that. He is conscious of that. Verily Allah is with me. He sees me. He hears my words. Inna Allah sami'un basir. Sami'un bi aqwalikum. Basirun bi af'alikum. Alimun bi you know, ahwalikum. He knows all your conditions. He hears what you are saying. He knows what you are doing. So this is the reality of Ihsan. This is the reality of your ibadah. It, so this is the first form. To distinguish between that which is done adatan and ibadatan. Then you have another which, form of niyyah which is that does tamiz and separates between one ibadah and another ibadah. Like if a person is standing in salah and qiyam now. Now if it's a sirri prayer, is it forakat dhuhr or forakat asr? Is it ada or qala? What's the, what, how you distinguish one prayer from the other prayer? The niyyah. If he makes the niyyah of dhuhr, it's dhuhr. If he makes the niyyah of asr, it's asr. Right? If he makes the niyyah of ada, it's ada. Qadha of the past, it's qadha. So that's how, if you give somebody money, right? Now when you're giving the money, if you make the intention, this is zakat, then it's zakat. If you make the niyyah, this is sadaqa, nafal, it's sadaqa nafal. If they make the niyyah, this is a kafara, expiation for a yameen, for an oath. If you make the niyyah, this is a fidya for a fast, I missed. Okay? So there's so many different niyyah. Between ibadah, these are all different forms of ibadah. But what distinguishes one ibadah from another ibadah? You're making a tawaf. What is it? Is it tawaf al-qudum, first tawaf, tawaf al-ifadah, tawaf al-ziyarah, 
طواف الوداع طواف وعمره نفل طواف وش طواف طواف وعمره طواف وحج so many different طواف how do they look they look exactly the same but what's the difference dunya you're fasting farad or qada i mean you keep on going every single ibadah the niya will make the difference between one ibadah and another type of ibadah then you have the niya which distinguishes between ikhlas lillahi ta'ala and riya and sum'ah one is for the or ajab one is to please others so they can see what you're doing that's riya so they hear what you're doing that's sum'ah so you please yourself that's ajab and if you want to please allah that's ikhlas what's the distinguishing factor niya again So these are the different types of niyyah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to understand that our whole life, if we make the proper intention, inshaAllah it can become ibadah. This is why he, he reminds us in the beginning, make sure you have the correct intention. Every amal, before we start, we make the correct intention. During the amal, while we're in the, during the amal, what do we do? Again, try to correct it because it it is very easy for the niyyah to change and then after we complete the amal once again we make istighfar oh allah we seek your forgiveness for the deficiency in performing the action in the manner pleasing to you and if our niyyah changed during the process so this is bare minimum three times we should have this habit of checking our intention And if a person continues practicing this, trying his best, trying his best, whenever he can remember to bring his niyyah back, it's, a, it's an exercise. And if he keeps at it for how long? A couple weeks? A couple months? No. Literally decades. Decades and decades. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Actively, every single time a person is doing anything. مَنْ عَطَى لِلَّهُ مَنْ عَلِى لِلَّهُ وَحَبَّ لِلَّهُ وَغَضَى لِلَّهُ فَقَدْ إِسْتَقْبَلَ إِمَانُهُ Every action he tries to remind himself, this is Lillah, this is Lillah. How is it Lillah? Coming up with that intention. And if he sticks to it, then, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it easy and it will become automatic at that point. It will become automatic. That would be a great blessing. Some have stated, now we're talking about the maqam of this hadith, that this contains half of knowledge. How is it half of knowledge? How is half of knowledge in one hadith? This is i'tibari. This is different perspectives of looking at it. How so? Because look, all affairs, we can divide it qalban and qalaban. One is the qalb, the heart. One is the body. This hadith pertains to heart. So, this, this hadith pertains to the heart. The niyyah is aqtul qalb. The intention that is in the heart. So if the niyyah is correct, that your heart is now in the right place. Now you have to work on the body. So this is how it is. Subhanallah. Half of knowledge. Somebody else comes along and says, no, no this is one-third knowledge. SubhanAllah, that's, that's fine too. عِبَارَاتُنَا شَتَّى وَحَسْنُكَ وَاحِدُ وَكُلُّمْ مِنَّا إِلَى ذَاكَ الْجَمَالِ يُشِيرُ So, there are different ways they're presenting, there are different ways they're expressing. But it all comes down to the same thing. How are, how are these things? Is one-third? Look, actions are divided into janan, lisan, arkan. Right? The scholars... And this is just not only scholars, but Arabic language is like that, where they love to make things rhyme. You notice that? Janan, Lisan, Arkan. Over here, why didn't they say Qalb for the heart? Because it doesn't match with Lisan and Arkan. So they changed it up to Janan. Right? Okay, so 
um, whenever you have jim and noon it means something which is hidden so you have jinn the jinn who are attending this dars they are hidden you can't see them in janan the heart is hidden inside and janin janin is the fetus which is hidden inside the womb of the mother you don't see the baby right when the baby is born you see the baby otherwise it's inside the womb janin allah taala says with antum ajinnatun fi butuni ummahatikum allah knows about you when you are still hidden fetus in the wombs of your mother in jannah is that garden in which the trees are so dense and filled with fruits and close to each other that the sunlight cannot reach the ground and the ground is hidden and dark and you know asomu jannah som is a shield jannah is that shield which covers the body of the fighter from the arrows etc etc so there's so many words like that so janan is the heart lisan are is the, uh, the statements from the tongue and arkan are physical actions of the body so you have the belief in the heart you have the statements of the tongue and you have the actions of the body parts so from this perspective having the correct intention deals with what the intention is not on the tongue or the body the intention is where in the heart so there you got it one third of knowledge uh, others have said okay it's one fourth <laughs> okay so we, we're, we uh, the students we're used to this how everyone comes up with different perspectives and then you see subhanallah everyone has their proof and it's just so fascinating how uh, one fourth this is a beautiful poem in which the four hadith were mentioned the best of the good according to us four statements of Nabi the best of the mankind has mentioned these four statements so in this poem he is taking the all uh, uh, he's looking through the entire hadith literature all the hadith of Rasulullah he's picking top four abstain from doubtful things we're going to cover this hadith in the coming slide right? abstaining from doubtful things and wazhad have zuhud turn your heart away this hadith of Rasulullah that if you turn your heart away um, from the dunya then Allah will love you you turn your heart away from what people have don't have a desire of what other person has then the people will love you because you're not going after their wealth. You're not jealous of them. And then you have, وَدَعْ مَا لَيْسَ This is, this hadith is coming. Stay away from those things which do not pertain to you. And وَعْمَلًا بِالنِّيَةِ This is the hadith of the niyyah. إِنَّمَا الْعَمَالُ So, these are four ahadith. Imam Abu Dawood. You may have heard of him. Imam Abu Dawood, the Sajistani. Yeah, right? His book is very famous, Sunan Abu Dawood. Or Sunan Abi Dawood. He is... A great muhaddith, he mentions that this hadith are amongst four foundational hadith out of 500,000. Okay, so he going through 500,000 hadith, he picks the top four. That's quite telling. Out of four out of 500,000. So sometimes, you know, it depends on how much you're out of. Like for example, somebody says that, wow, mashallah, I came third place in my class right go back and ask how many students in the class what if the three students in the class so literally got first place from the bottom so so, the, so it depends on 
you know what are you looking at so he's looking at five five uh, uh, you know he comes and says you know tells his parents that third place i am then he mashallah shabash beta but they don't know that the three kids in the class that may have happened sometime may not have happened allah alam so uh, so the thing is <laughs> here he says um four hadith out of 500000 out of 500000 top four first one is one we're talking about of course that's why we're even mentioning the statement it has to be there innama al-a'malu bin-niyat wa innama likulli min-i ma nawa and as we have covered the translation i don't want to go over it again what are the other three you know you should be curious if you have hers you should have hers you should have desire to learn what is what are the other three if you don't have that desire you should ask allah oh allah give me that desire why don't i have that why do i not have that desire Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that man humani la yashba'an two greedy people who have the greed they're never satiated they never feel full there is never enough man human fi dunya la yashba'u minha this is something we can all relate to the one who has the greed for the dunya is never enough hal mim mazid can we have more can we have more can we have more law kana ibn adam wa adam min dhahab la tamanna yakunu lahu adiyan wa la yamlafa illa turab If a, if a Ibn Adam, a human being, has one whole valley full of gold, he'll want to have another valley. It's not enough. The only thing that will fill his mouth is the dirt of his grave. So this is the first one who is always greedy. And the one who has the true desire for ilm is never satiated. Wants to learn more and more and more. Enjoys it so much. So there are two greedy people who are never full. But these two greedy people, that's the end of their resemblance. The fact that they're both greedy. But after that, their paths diverge. وَلَا يَسْتَوِيَانِ They're not equal. أَمَّا صَاحِبُ الْعِلْمِ فَيَزَادُ رِضَ الرَّحْمَانِ وَأَمَّا صَاحِبُ الدُّنْيَا فَيَتَمَادَ فِي الطُّغْيَانِ So it goes that, subhanAllah, the one who has the desire for the dunya, he continues in his transgression against Allah. And the one who is greedy for knowledge, he continues in gaining the pleasure of Allah. So may Allah make us among those who have the desire for ilm. So what are the other three? We are wondering. This number two is rectification of social dealings. Foundational hadith. What is that hadith? لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يحب لأخي ما يحب لنفسه. The golden rule. You can, none of you can be a true believer until you love for your brother what you love for yourself. So if you truly love for your brother that which you love for yourself, whatever success, in deen, dunya that you desire for yourself, you actually desire that for your brother. Very, very hard to have such a clean heart. This is the root of rectification of all social dealings. And the scary part about this hadith is that, you know, it's not something that, hey, if you can reach that level, that you love for others what you love for yourself, that's great. Kudos, meaning uh, congratulations. You actually are doing a good job. You love for others what you love for yourself. That would have been okay. Like, okay, if I can reach that level, good for me. If I can't, I can get by. But that's not what the hadith says. Because it starts off with a big la. Look at that la. See that la? La yu'minu. You cannot be a mu'min. You cannot be a mu'min. Ahadukum. None of you can be a true mu'min. So it's negation. I mean, there is no iman. Until you love for your brother what you love for yourself. Subhanallah. That means that if I don't have this level, then my iman is, uh, is weak. 
It's quite weak. So it's not something optional anymore. We have to develop this level of love for fellow human beings. And this Akhi is not only your, your biological brother, it means all brothers. Brothers in humanity. Not only from the Muslim Ummah, the Ummah Al-Ijaba, Ummah Al-Dawah, all, the entire creation. All, all the human beings, all the children of Adam. You cannot be a true mu'min until you love for them what you love for yourself. May Allah grant us that. It's a lot of work to do on the heart. That's hadith number two. Hadith number three. Three of four. Avoiding that which is of a doubtful nature. This was in the poem too. Ittaqish shubuhat. This is hadith of Rasulullah Al-halalu bayan. Halal is clear and documented, known. This is 100% halal. I already talked about the 100% Zabiyah last time, or the time before. This is 100% Zabiyah. Al-halalu bayan. Wal-haramu bayan. And haram is 100% known. This is 100% haram. You know, sometimes when the Mufti says that uh, there are different opinions about this, it's kind of a gray area. They'll say, what, what, what's your job? I mean, you know, go get educated, man. Why are you telling me it's gray area? Tell me it's halal or haram. How can you be gray area? Where is the ambiguity? Hey, the ambiguity is right here in the hadith. Not everything is black and white. There is a gray area. Because the Prophet says here, وَبَيْنَهُمَا مُشْتَبِهَاتِ Between the halal and the haram, there are some doubtful things. So possibly halal, possibly haram. Like there's a difference of opinion about it. There's a scope for the ishtihad here. Like halal, حَلَّ Bay'ah is halal. Buying and selling is halal. With, with the proper conditions. وَحَرَّمَ riba riba is haram. So that's halal bayin, haram bayin. بَيْنَهُمَا مُشْتَبِهَاتِ is like insurance. So insurance, one of the reasons why it's, it's uh, mushtaba is because first of all, there's no nas, clear, like text about it. حُرِّمَتْ عَلَيْكُمْ You know, insurance. You won't find that in any of the qiraat. Or any of the hadith. So if you know this, a guy who is saying 15 minutes can save you 15%. Is your earning Jahannam or in 15 minutes or Jannah? It's mushtabihad. Because some scholars will say, look, you're, you're, you, know, you got car insurance, you just paid one, one month premium, and then what happens is brand new car, there's a snowstorm, a whole tree falls on your car. How much did you pay? You paid. Or maybe a six-month premium, you paid a couple hundred dollars, and now you get a check for forty thousand dollars. So, you know, we're talking about riba. This is a riba like exponential riba. So, what did I pay? What? How much did I get back? Does anyone give that percentage in riba charges? No. So that's one way of looking at it. Others will say, no, you're you're actually just paying for the service. That they, you know. There's different ways of looking at it. Some will say it's riba. See, some will say it falls under halal. Al halal ubayin is some type of transaction where there is a particular service they're providing. And others will say it's hey, this is riba, and there's gharar and there's other elements in it. So that's why you have the bainahuma mushtabihat. Between the two, there are doubtful matters. لا يعلمهن كثير من الناس. Many people don't know, nor do they want to know. This is where we have the term blissfully ignorant. Let's remain ignorant and blissful in our ignorance. Is there any bliss in ignorance? No, there's no bliss. Because uh, not knowing the law is not a valid excuse acceptable in a court of law for violating the law. 
If you go in a court of law and your crime is you violated the law, in the court of law, they ask you why you violated the law. You say, I did not know about the law. Then what does the law tell you about such a person who says, I violated the law because I did not know the law? That, that excuse is not acceptable in a court of law. Nor is it acceptable in the court of Allah. <laughs> okay. So we have to, we, have, we can't just say we didn't know. The only thing is if you know when you violate it, it's worse. So the only option is to know it and not violate it. There's no other option. You have to know the law and not violate the law. So these people, they don't know, nor do they want to know. People don't know about these doubtful things. If the person abstains from the doubtful things, then what will happen? Subhanallah. Then he will protect his deen and he will protect his honor. So we have to not only stay away from haram, we need to stay away from doubtful things. I had uh, spoken about this in the Jum'ah today, not in detail, but during another discussion, this, term, this, uh, this came up, that Subhanallah, A person cannot attain the level of taqwa until we start leaving that which, in which there is no sin. Out of fear that we may end up falling into that in which there is a sin. Just because something is not a sin doesn't mean we have to do it. So the muttaqin are those who obviously abstain from haram, that's a no-brainer, and makru tahrimi and makru tanzihi, undesirable things. They also abstain from mashbuh, doubtful things. And they abstain from many mabah, permissible things. Because that's distracting them, detracting them from the actual maqsud of their hayat, the purpose of their life, from nobler pursuits. So just because it's permissible doesn't mean you have to do it. If it's permissible, but it may end up leading you to that which is impermissible, then you avoid that permissible as well. Here we're not even talking about permissible things, we're talking about doubtful things. وَمَنْ وَقَعَ فِي shubuhat, And whoever falls into doubtful things, they say it's not, you know, it's not 100% haram. It, you know, it may, it's, it's just doubtful. There's a difference of opinion about it. I heard from one mufti, mufti Google, that it's, it's halal. So, waqa'a fi shubhat, waqa'a fi haram He will fall into haram. Subhanallah, so scary. If you fall into doubtful things, ittiba'u ruhus, you go after the ruhsas and the permissions. Some mufti said this, other mufti said that. You know, go mufti shopping. Then, fatwa shopping, you will end up falling into haram. Who said so? Rasulullah said so. It's right here. وَمَنْ وَقَعَ فِي الشُّبُهَاتِ Whoever falls into doubtful things, وَقَعَ فِي الْحَرَامِ will fall into haram. كَالْرَاعِ يَرْعَى حَوْلَ الْحِمَى Like the shepherd who is grazing his sheep around the prohibited, restricted zone. Violators will be prosecuted. Right? You cannot know trespassing. This is the order of the king. The king says, no trespassing, pass this sign. No one is allowed to graze their sheep on the royal pasture. This pasture, don't worry about it. The, you know, right, the grass is growing too much. You know, the king is going to have to mow his lawn. Let me take care of it with my sheep. Don't worry about that. Don't go near the royal pasture. Because if you go near the boundary, before you know it, some of your sheep are going to cross the line and they're going to go into the prohibited zone. Every king has a restricted zone not to trespass. 
The restricted zone that Allah has declared is that which He has made haram. So basically, if you're going to go close to haram, what's going to happen? You're going to fall into haram. So just stay away from it. Stay far away as possible. Allah wa inna fil Verily in the body there is a piece of flesh, mudah. If it is rectified, the whole body is rectified. If it is destroyed, corrupted, the entire body is corrupted. Verily that is the heart. The Arifin and the Mashayikh of Tazkiyat, they, they describe that in great detail. Subhanallah, this last part of the hadith. May Allah give us the reality, purify our hearts. So this is hadith number three or four. And number four is leaving that which is useless. Min husni islam al From the beauty of one's Islam is that he leaves that which does not concern him. Subhanallah. So you see the word min. It's not translated here. It just says the beauty of one's Islam. Min means this is tabi'idiyah, I mean some, part. It's not the full beauty of Islam isn't this. There's a lot of other things which will beautify one's Islam. But one of the aspects which will beautify a person's Islam is that he leaves things which are not pertaining to him, which does not concern him. So this is now, mashallah, uh, a higher level where a person is now beautifying his faith. Right? So... One are like integrals, arkan, you need it. Without it, your Islam is incomplete. And one is now beyond that to add further beauty, to add husan. So like the husan of a person's, um, you know, one is like the integral elements of a house, and then you can add further beautification. So this is how you can add beauty to your deen. How we can add beauty to our deen? is if we abstain from things which do not concern. What about abstaining from things which are haram? Is that a beauty of the deen or part of the deen? Part. But now, it's not haram, it just doesn't, doesn't benefit you. What is it? Waste of time. It's permissible, but it's wasting time. Leave that as well. And what, is, what are we doing nowadays? We are spending a lot of time in la yani. Does not benefit us in the deen, does not benefit us in the tanya. With social media, uh, with you know, all the different additions we have with our phones. So the entire ummah, huge portion, we talked about the entire ummah is supposed to ideally make our entire life what? Ibadah. The best case scenario is layani. Why is it the best case scenario? Because they're not doing... Layani by, in our current definition is not haram things. Current definition. Because haram obviously is layani. It doesn't benefit you. But when we're talking about layani here, we're talking about what? Permissible things that are do not concern. Impermissible things. is A lot of time you're spending in what? Totally haram things. If you're on your phone, especially youth or anyone for that matter, a lot of times we may be ending up in doing haram. Looking at haram, reading haram, or engaging in haram conversations. And if we're out of haram, then we may be in layani. Things that we should not concern. And things which are nafi are beneficial for the deen and dunya, that's a really, uh, you know, unfortunately a minority of our time is being spent in that. May Allah Ta'ala guide us. So this is the fourth foundational hadith. Imam Abu Hanifa came along, and uh, actually, you know, he came before Imam Abu Dawud, but 
what I mean is that in the presentation he comes along now, he is from 80 Hijri to 150 Hijri. Uh, he, Imam Dawood came after the Fuqaha. He says, he adds a fifth one. He says that avoiding harm to others. This is the fifth hadith, foundation hadith. The one I mentioned in the beginning. Al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimuna min lisani wa A true Muslim is the one that other Muslims are safe from his tongue and his hand. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that reality. Now, inshaAllah, we will move on to the hadith. One, this last slide, I want to put it all out so we can look at it together. And I'll conclude with this for tonight. Other versions of this hadith have this word. فَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَةُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ فَهِجْرَةُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ that whoever migrates for the sake of Allah and His Rasul, his hijrah is going to be counting for the sake of Allah and His Rasul. Meaning, if his hijrah is for the sake of Allah and His Rasul in his niyyah, then his hijrah will be counting for Allah and His Rasul in the law, in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But in this version, in Sahih Bukhari, th- this wording is not there. Why did Imam Bukhari leave it out? You'll say it's not there? Yeah. We may have forgotten. So let's go back and see where it's not there. I'll show you. So, there, this is the hadith. It says here, إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ Actions are based upon intentions. وَإِنَّمَا لِكُلِّ مِرِئِ مَعْنَوَى Everyone will get that which he intends. So when you do an action, you have a good intention, good deed. Bad intention, bad deed. No intention, no deed. Waste. فَمَنْ كَانَ هِجْرَةُ إِلَى دُنْيَا يُسِيبُهَا if you make, if a person makes hijrah for dunya to acquire it, or for a woman to marry her, then his hijrah will count for that. What about if man kanat hijratuhu ilallahi wa rasulihi, fajratuhu ilallahi wa rasulihi? It's not there, not in this particular version, in the in this particular point in the book, the first hadith. He doesn't mention the one who's hijrah for the sake of Allah and his Rasul niyatan fajratuhu ilallahi wa rasulihi thawaban. He doesn't mention that. Why did he miss it? Why did he skip it? This is what we're trying to answer the question. Do you understand the question? So this is being answered here. So we covered this foundation hadith. So isn't there something missing? What about this? There's a whole question here about ittihadu sharti wal jaza. But anyway, I just answered it for those who would object. فَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَةُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِ نِيَةً If a person has the niyat in his heart that his hijrah is for Allah and the Rasul, فَهِجْرَةُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِ His hijrah, thawaban, actually will count as for Allah and the Rasul. Why did Imam Bukhari leave this out? He did this to subtly, there's a subtle implication here. He's implying something. If a person cannot make a good intention, then at least avoid making a bad one. So the one part is, if you make a good intention, you'll get the good reward. And the other one is, if you make a bad intention, you'll get a sin. So he's saying, he skipped this point in here to say, Look, تَرْكُ النِّيَةِ الْقَبِيحَ يَكْفِي فِي الْوَسَائِلْ وَدَفْعَ الْمُضَرَّ أَوْلَى مِنْ جَلْبِ الْمَنْفَعَ Which means that, look, the bare minimum is don't have a bad intention. The bare minimum is don't have a bad intention. If you can make a good intention, subhanAllah, you'll get reward. And if you have no intention, then at least you won't have a sin. If you have a bad intention, then you're in a bad shape. 
Like this is for example how Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that Al-Wahdatu khayrun min jalisisu Remaining alone is better than having an evil companion. Wal-jalisu salih khayrun min al-wahda And having a good companion is better than being alone. So what is it? that means that look you have three stations here. One maqam is to have a good companion, best. One is to remain alone, that's the middle level. And in the, in the bad position is to have an evil companion. So if you can find a good companion, have a good companion. But if you don't find a good companion, should you just go ahead and have an evil companion? No, just remain alone. Remaining alone is better than having an evil companion. Likewise, um, like saying something go- good. Um, saying kalima hasana, a good kalam is an act of reward. And if you cannot say something good, then remain silent. It's better than saying something wrong or evil or hurtful. فَلْيَقُلْ خَيْرًا أَوْ لِيَسْمُتُ This is the hadith. فَلْيَقُلْ خَيْرًا Say something good, and if you, can't, you don't have anything good to say, then what? Be silent. If you're so overwhelmed with, you know, all the negative feelings about a particular situation, you can't find anything positive to say. It's such, so horrific. So bad. Like, how do I say something positive about this? Then just remain silent. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't necessarily praise all the time the food. But ma'aba Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Nabi Sallallahu never found any defect in the food. If he liked it, he ate it. If he didn't like it, he left it. But he never said something bad. Why is it cooked this way? Why did he put so much salt? Why? Does it mean that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam loved all food? No. He didn't love all food. He liked it, he ate it, he didn't like it, he left it. That means he, there are things he did, disliked. He said, no, I, I mean, he didn't say it, but he didn't eat it. So, you, you know. So if you have something positive to say, say it, otherwise remain quiet. If you have a good companion, great, otherwise remain alone. Like, so you see the common thread over here, if you can have a good intention, great. Otherwise, at least don't have a bad intention. So this is the lesson that Imam Bukhari rahmatullah is saying by selecting this. Uh, the second part and not mentioning the first part. So al-aqal, the bare minimum is let's not have bad intentions. As far as we can go, try to have good intentions. But at the bare minimum, let us purify our hearts from having bad intentions. Guess what? I said earlier that it takes decades and decades for every action to have a good intention. That is, you know, platinum level. But if we can't reach there, what is, I don't want to say the last goal, or lower our standards, but I would say a first goal, more easily achievable goal, is to work on our heart not to have evil intentions. That's much easier. To avoid having evil intentions. And then inshallah, work further on having positive good intentions for everything we do in our lives. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you and I and all of us tawfiq uh, to make amal on this. Wa akhir da'wana alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Let's make dua inshaAllah. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ala sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallam. 
اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى ال محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم اجعل اجتماعنا هذا اجتماعا مرحوما واجعل تفرقنا بعده تفرقا معصوما ولا تعفينا ولا منا ولا معنا شقيا ولا محروما والله اكسد الجادين يا رب العالمين والله والله with respect to our intentions والله we are so far behind والله والله we throughout our day and our night throughout our lives we do so many actions without having any niyyah whatsoever and when you have niyyah sometimes we have the wrong niyyah ya allah oh allah rectify our intentions ya rabbal alamin allow us to have ikhlas and sincerity in our ibadah ya rabbal alamin oh allah oh allah protect us from riya and sum'ah oh allah oh allah grant us the reality and haqiqah of ikhlas ya rabbal alamin grant us the reality of ihsan ya rabbal alamin oh allah as if we are always seeing you ya rabbal alamin oh allah oh allah allow us to see you your hidden hand behind the entire creation ya rabbal alamin oh allah allow us to see you as the musabbib wal asbab behind all of the asbab of the dunya ya rabbal alamin oh allah oh allah oh allah oh allah grant us a heart and desire for ilm ya rabbal alamin oh allah oh allah make us amongst the tulab of ilm the true seekers of knowledge till our last breath ya rabbal alamin subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala khairan there was uh, one announcement that i was asked to make um, that tomorrow inshallah we will have after fajr uh, tazkiyah session with mona abdul ahad and there will be breakfast as well there's a very uh, extensive breakfast i was feeling embarrassed to announce this menu but i was sent this menu allah alam anyway you will come and see the menu i don't want to sit here talk about a menu for the breakfast but it was sent to me to announce it so inshallah if you come keep up the suspense there's a there's a really uh, elaborate breakfast menu being prepared So there will be food for the soul, food for the body, both inshallah. First the food for the soul, then the food for the body as well. As we are muraqqaban bayna ruhi wal jasad. We are composition of soul and body. So the risk for both will be provided inshallah tomorrow after Fajr. Jazakumullah khair.